Monday, June the 21st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, France disappoints Le Pen and Cuba's vaccine works. First, the world in brief. With low turnout in France's regional elections, Marine Le Pen's hard-right national rally faltered. It finished first in just one of 12 regions. Tactical voting in a second round will make it difficult for Miss Le Pen to win even there. President Emmanuel Macron's party also lost ground, in line with expectations to the benefits of the traditional centre-right. Cuba announced that its Soberana 2 COVID-19 vaccine showed an efficacy rate of 62% after just two of three intended doses, even against variants. Quote, Sovereign 2, developed by BioCuba Pharma, a state-owned biotechnology company, is one of five domestic vaccines being tested in the country of 11 million. Cuba's medical research and vaccine production industries have been a boon during the pandemic, though infections are now spreading quickly. Armenia's Prime Minister claimed, quote, a convincing majority in the country's parliamentary elections, despite just 30% of ballots having been counted. Nicole Pashinyan's civil contract does appear to have done better than opinion polls had predicted. These are the first elections since Armenia was defeated by Azerbaijan in a conflict last year, in which Armenia was forced to cede some disputed territory. New Zealand became the first country to select a transgender athlete to compete in the Tokyo Olympic Games. Weightlifter Laurel Hubbard, who competed as a man before transitioning in 2012, will compete in the women's super heavyweight category. The International Olympic Committee has allowed trans women to compete in women's events since 2004. In 2015, it dropped genital surgery as a qualifying condition. Negotiators adjourn talks aimed at reviving Iran's nuclear deal, originally signed in 2015. Iran's top negotiator in Vienna claimed the country was, quote, closer than ever to an agreement, with the six other powers represented, but that, quote, distance remains between the two sides. The virtually uncontested election of Ibrahim Raisi as Iran's next president has buoyed hopes that a reconciliation might be near. America's National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said the Biden administration would impose further sanctions on Russia over the poisoning of Alexei Navalny, an imprisoned opposition leader. The announcement came only four days after Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin met for a brief summit in Geneva. America had previously slapped sanctions on Russia's security services in March for their treatment of Mr Navalny. A SPAC launched by Pershing Square, an American hedge fund, is to buy a 10% stake in Vivendi's Universal Music Group, worth about $4 billion. The streaming wars have heated up the market for music. When Bill Ackman launched the Pershing Square Tontine Holdings quote, special purpose acquisition company last July, it was the biggest SPAC in the world, then worth just $4 billion. And fact of the day. At least 20 African countries now have space programs. African governments budgeted an estimated $500 million for their space agencies in 2020. And now here's today's agenda. Over the top. The commodity super cycle stutters. Central bankers are starting to worry about the return of inflation. American consumer prices in America, for instance, rose by 5% in the year to May. Loose monetary policy, a post-pandemic shopping boom, and a new commodity quote, super cycle, have all been sources for concern. The last of these has begun to look overdone. 
In recent weeks, the prices of some materials have lost all their gains for 2021. The Economist's Commodity Price Index has stabilised since May. Futures for American lumber, puffed by a post-pandemic housebuilding boom, are down by 40% from their peak last month. Confounding some forecasters, sawmills have been able to increase output to match demand. A similar picture can be seen across agricultural commodities as diverse as soybeans, sugar and wheat. One exception is oil. Some analysts see a return to $100 a barrel, up from around $70 today, thanks to a collapse in capital expenditure on new production. Not all boats rise with the tide, but some do. Here we go again. The end of Britain's lockdown delayed. Britain's COVID-19 vaccination campaign stands among the world's most successful. But now its efficacy will be tested as the quote Delta variant first identified in India spreads rapidly. A third wave is quote definitely underway in Britain, one government science advisor Adam Finn has declared. As a result, plans to end lockdown restrictions today have been delayed until July 19th. Worryingly, the Delta variant appears to be more transmissible than any other. It may also be more severe and deadly. Even people who have previously been infected may be vulnerable. Thankfully, the vaccines made by Pfizer and AstraZeneca, the main ones deployed in Britain, remain 80% effective after two doses. However, efficacy is considerably lower after a single dose. Britain is now rushing to get jabs into the arms of the 22% of its adults who have had just one and the 19% who have had none. If that effort slackens, expect more delays to the end of lockdown. Election or Coronation Ethiopians go to the polls. When Abi Ahmed became Prime Minister three years ago, he styled himself as a transitional leader. He would rid Ethiopia of authoritarianism and shepherd it towards its first free and fair elections. Today, after two postponements, millions will at last have a chance to vote in a parliamentary poll. But despite a few competitive seats, an overwhelming victory for Abiy's ruling prosperity party is all but assured. The opposition is weak and fragmented. Some are boycotting the election, citing the persecution of their members and leaders. The ballot is flawed in other ways too. About a fifth of constituencies will not take part at all because of legal disputes, logistical mishaps and ethnic conflicts, or all three. Most notable is the total exclusion of Tigray, a northern region, amid a devastating civil war and an impending famine. Today's vote may do more to complicate Ethiopia's problems than resolve them. Catching a breath. India between waves. The second wave of COVID-19, which inundated India in April and May, has subsided, pulling back almost as suddenly as it crashed ashore. Fewer than 60,000 new cases and 1,500 deaths were recorded yesterday, the lowest figure in two months. This week, the total count of infections is due to cross 30 million. Officially, the death toll stands at 387,000, though epidemiologists reckon that six times as many people in India have died of COVID-19 since the pandemic began. The quote Delta variant behind the second wave has since gone global, accounting for 99% of all new cases in Britain, for instance. A persistent array of travel restrictions that Indians face reminds everyone of the variant's presumed point of origin. 
With only 3.8% of India's 1.4 billion people fully vaccinated, clinicians are bracing themselves for a third wave. A rough consensus expected in October. But some experts warn that it may roll in as soon as August. Hydrography The world's new ocean America's National Geographic Society recently classified a quote, new ocean. The 30 million year old southern ocean from Antarctica to a latitude of 60 degrees south will now be given the same status and typeface in maps as the Arctic, Atlantic, Indian and Pacific Oceans. Map makers often use land to mark the boundaries of oceans and seas. But where two waters converge, science is needed. The waters of the Southern Ocean are kept cold by the Antarctic Circumpolar Current, for example, which has allowed a distinct ecosystem to develop. The International Hydrographic Organization's Bible for Maps, Limits of Oceans and Seas, has plotted the Southern Ocean differently in each of its editions since 1928. First, it stretched to Africa, Australia and South America. Then, it met other oceans offshore. And since 1953, it has not existed at all. The most recent edition, in 2000, accepted the 60 degrees position, but was never ratified internationally. The previous version persists, leaving the Southern Ocean all at sea. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Reinhold Niebuhr, who was born on this day in 1892. Man's capacity for justice makes democracy possible, but man's inclination to injustice makes democracy necessary. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.